Welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast, and uh, we've got a special edition uh, today with uh, Heidi Salisbury, who is the Vice President of Policy and Resources, and uh, is the main driver behind the government work plan, the method by which our government prioritises and coordinates actions with resources. And uh, welcome to the programme, Heidi. Thank you, Simon. Um, so I would like to, uh, first of all, get your appraisal of the uh, four-day states meeting. We've just had uh, the latest annual effort to nut out what we should be doing as a government, uh, what you should be doing as a government, um, and uh, how you think it went. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a marathon session, but then it's quite rightly so. I mean, this is the government work plan is the means of bringing government together and have focus and discipline in a way that's very difficult here. Under our consensus system of government, we don't have party political system, and that's another debate. I'm not, I'm not going to go deeply into his, but the point of that is there is not a manifesto which the public vote in at the very beginning. So whether it's Tory, Labour and or, or Liberal Democrats or any other political party that we may know of, they can come, they, they'll come in and they'll have their manifesto and if they've got a majority, they can just they say, the public voted for us to do this. We don't have that. We're, we have nascent political parties, but we don't have that really... Um, system where people know what they're voting for they know the people and they can get a good idea of what they're like but they they don't know exactly what's going to be going through so the government work plan it gives that discipline in a way that's been picked up over the years um, through various governance reviews there was one last term which said you know it is very difficult being able to manage 40 people and trying to coalesce that around what what our government priorities and so the government work plan is a means of doing that giving government focus and it's good for both government in terms of prioritizing what they do but also the public in knowing what government is doing might not like what government's doing and might like us to do other things but this is what we've determined over the course of the last two years about what we consider the priorities of government so that's where that's what it's about so that element of making clear to the public what is in your priority list you're saying then that as in addition to organizing uh, the priorities and uh, committees making sure they're They've got the other states members on board if they want to bring in something else that's not there. Um, as, as well as that, you know, everything that they are going to prioritise has to be on display in the government work plan. Yeah, it's that? about cohesion. Apart from BAU, there's always BAU that crops up and has to be dealt with. Business These as usual. About, yeah, yeah, BAU, business as usual. Sorry for the acronym. They, they, but it's about being a, people, the public knowing what is going on and... And that, I think that's really important, but it's all part of the communication thing. It's not just about what um, government making it work better. It's about, it's about the public understanding what we're doing at the same time. Because before this, people were saying, well, what are you doing about this? And this is a really important issue. Why, what are you doing about it? So, well, what we're doing is in here. The thing that you're asking for, it's in here. Or it's not in here, depending on what the Assembly thinks is a priority for... The, the island and and that's what we've got now in a way we've never had before and it was a one it's a one thing that I, I really came home to me from the last term we had this huge great policy and resource plan which was meant to be that sort of thing and it was covering what we thought of priorities but what it didn't do is link it to resources and in a, it, what it became was one huge wish list of what every committee wanted to do 
and you can't do everything. It was kind of being all things to all people, and that was being that was really not being fair and truthful to the electorate. Quite frankly, you can say you're doing things, but if you can't do it, it's, that's that's not the right thing to do. We've got to be. For me, it's about being open and transparent with the public and saying, well, it's not the government work plan because of various reasons. It might be resources, it might be because other things are more important, considered by the Assembly as being more important. And it's that kind of, in many ways, that collective responsibility that we haven't got in our system by making it, saying it's the Assembly's plan, which it is, which is why it's so important having that debate. We have something we can coalesce around. It makes committees work together more in a way we haven't had in the past, which led to silo working, because we have what the Assembly says are priorities and expects the committees to do. So before we delve into um, the latest iteration of the process and how it all went uh, for this year's uh, summer GWP um, reappraisal, um, I, can, I, th I think everyone will be able to understand that you know one of the main problems this process is trying to fix is that uh, there was just too much work going on and you weren't reaching conclusions on much of it, so there was just too much work and not enough action. Um, but when you say um, that there was there's a wish list, a lot of this, a lot of um, decisions that have been debated and then resolved in the Parliament and uh, extant resolutions are in place, uh, we are going to resolve to do such and such. A lot of that has been jettisoned through this process, hasn't it? You know, democratically agreed things. Yes, we're going to do this, that, and the other have just been sort of jettisoned uh, through this. Well, is, is that a problem? No states can combined another that but also priorities change and we've had things we've had extant resolutions that are wet that, that have that have no purpose now i think there was one on about having not having bull bars on on them on vehicles and that was a huge issue back in the day it's kind of gone away now but it was still an extant resolution so extant re resolutions have gone where they see there's no purpose to them now or there are things can be done in another way so it hasn't been done in a non dis you know in a just like random fashion it has each one has been thought through um in terms from a resolution point of view so we can focus on what other priorities now a lot of has been kept but they're kept for the future so we've re we've categorized actions this time so we've got key category one priority priority one actions are those that we know our absolute priority for the island covering housing, cost of living, population issues, um, children um, and, and supporting skills, etc., etc. It's all what those are. There, there will be resource and that's where where the priority will be given when, when things need to be done. Then you've got category two and three, which might be work that's been scoped, but nothing done. Um, category three, where nothing's been done, but we might want, it's been on a list that we want to do it. Those are pushed back, so either they will be done in the later time in the, in the term, because this, is, this, this refreshes for what's going to be done in the next year, or they might not be done this term at all. So it's, it's, it's about having to make those difficult decisions. But the important thing is that there is that ownership by the Assembly to do it. And it's been so hard in the past, the committees have gone to doing and done things. They then bring it to the Assembly, that the Assembly knew, knowing what was going to come to them, and then being expected to vote on it in the context of not knowing what else was going around. Everything looked, being looked at in isolation. And this is 
as I say, is trying to bring more cohesion, focus and discipline to the workings of government. So uh, you've led this process then of uh, corralling all these um, ongoing work streams into one document that can be bought into, as you've said, by the Assembly. Um, and uh, th obviously it is then uh, open to members to alter, that's the whole point, is for them to come along and, and lay amendments. Um, but th this, in the, in the latest uh, government work plan um, process, the, the meeting, um, there were uh, some amendments that were buying into this process a little more than others. I mean, you seem to be dismayed by uh, some of the amendments that have been laid. We might as well start with the very first one that was debated, and I think that was the presiding officer, the bailiff, who decided in what order they should be debated, and the first one was Amendment 7, uh, which was uh, laid by Deputy David Delisle, wanting to ensure that we stop building on green fields, something which I know that you're generally in... in uh, keep you know in favour of record of the cat uh, <laughs> that we'll be debating next week. Indeed. Exactly, but it led to two and a half hours of debate um, on something that arguably wasn't within the remit of government work plan. So, um, can you speak to that? Yes, it was incredibly frustrating that um, it was an amendment that wasn't um, we weren't given notice of before it was um, uh, put in uh, published uh, at the graph. And it went, it went against process. This is a process about prioritising the actions of government, whereas that amendment basically was saying we want to change policy with no background information against it at all. What does that mean? You know, it's very, it was very you know, black and white, no, don't build on green fields. Well, we all know that planning is far more nuanced than that, and there might be various reasons why in some areas it, that might need to happen or it might not. Um, whether that's right or wrong, is another matter. But it's also, because of that, it's not something that should be debated in when we're looking at how we priority, what we consider priorities uh, of government. What they could have done was um, a policy, uh, was um, an amendment, which said to add to priority one, um, to review the uh, applicability of having, um, of, of not building, whether it's possible to, to not be allowed to build on green fields. Could have been done in a different way. In so, which so to lay it out there that you want this to be prioritised as something to be investigated. Indeed. Right. Not saying, right, we're changing policy there and then. That was the issue with Amendment 12, um, which linked to changing um, the uh, supplementary planning guidance um, there and then, within within the um, uh, government work plan. Now we we tried. Certainly, some of us were saying, "Look, you might this might be something to do, but couldn't we look at this because we none of us have got any background in this. It's a really technical area. What are the implications for it?" And we had Her Majesty's controller saying, "Look, there are issues here in terms of the if you if this is passed, it's potential for it to be." Count, count, countering policy. So, so what, this, this was a, a, an amendment, um, Amendment 12, laid by? Deputy Fairbrush and um, Deputy Oliver, yeah. Well, do you want to summarise what, what, what it was proposing to do? Yes, it was around changing uh, things around what's called GP11. It's basically around how much the proportion of affordable housing that you, could, that you need to provide in any development. And it was trying to change the onus from the DPA being able to decide um, how that that would be uh, done in practice for each development to allowing developers a choice. Um, but that goes against what's in 
policy. That's 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 the trouble. It wasn't changing GP11. It was changing the guidance around around it. And so there is a conflict which will need to be dealt with. And I th- I, my concern was when you do these things on the hoof, you do not know the unintended consequences and it can lead to delays. And I think that's what this amendment will do until such time as there is clarity on what it actually means. So is this a problem with this government work plan process in that um, because inevitably you're putting before states members uh, the entire smorgasbord of all the issues that confront them at any one time um, in order to um, arrange resources and how you're going to prioritise them, um, you, you are at the same time effectively asking them not to... Uh, make specific alterations, but just to just to prioritise. And inevitably, the temptation is for them to get involved in specifics and say, "No, let's change this and let's do that." They can't help themselves. I <laughs> and I understand. It was abs- I understand how it came. There are tensions around housing. We have issues about developers and saying, "You know, this is causing us problems." G- with GP eleven, can we do something about it? But doing it in this way was not the right way of doing it. This was not the vehicle. There are other vehicles that, that will enable it to happen. If it is seen as an issue, DPA can come to the state and deal with it separately. It does, And we've already got elements in here about how we can improve um, and increase the housing um, stock that we think think we need. So this, wasn't the ve- this is a vehicle to make sure that we're doing things that we should, that they're appropriate for, for government to do it's, it's not it's not saying and what do we th- think the answer is a lot of it's, I mean, it's this uh, there's so many things that seem very superficially a simple thing to put right but actually when you're, you you d- delve in these things they're very complicated and in, in planning whether it's right or wrong it can be very complicated area and we've got to always be aware of unintended consequences of what we do and I, I do think with that amendment it will cause some delay until the, the DPA can sort out what it actually means. So by specifically altering the supplementary planning guidance without altering the law that that, that is supposed to provide guidance for you're saying that's, that's set up a dichotomy that's going to cause delays? Effectively, it's policy versus guidance. It's, it's a policy being countering the guidance. That's where we were led to believe it was going to be an issue. We'll find out, but that's, it was not the time to, to do it. We need, For me, I like to make decisions, evidence-based decisions. And for, I, I don't like amendments which just say, well, I like change a policy there and then. It's, there's nothing behind it. There was no huge, great amount of detail. Um, other amendments did do that, and they were good, and there were things that you could then follow up. But that 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 was for me was not it's not the right vehicle to do it, it went beyond the propositions um but then it needs discipline from states members to understand that that's not the point perhaps next year it will change as people get to understand what the, what the process is about but, but do you include our chief minister in in that criticism then because i mean you know he's, he's, you sit on committee with him you obviously work with him a great deal but you know at, at one point during debate he he was he was rather impatiently saying come on we, stop stop worrying about the, these niceties we need action uh, and and it was on this particular topic that he was talking, I think. Yeah, um, my point was action can sometimes be counterproductive. And whether it's difference of opinion, difference of approach, my approach is, is different. Um, and Deputy Fairbrush was acting as, as an individual deputy in, in that regard. He laid it as an individual deputy. Um, do that, and that's absolutely his right to do it. But it isn't, that, isn't that one of the problems, in a way, with the government work plan uh, itself, is, is that... Um, 
you know, it, while it contains all these different subjects that you want to you want to corral and you want to ensure there will be action on, it, it is by its very nature not in a document that can possibly directly lead to action. It's not about action in a way. You know, it's it's like saying this menu doesn't taste very good. It's 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 just a menu of what's going to come. It's it's not in itself a set of proposals. Yeah, but it's not a promises. It's not over promising and trying to over promise under deliver. That's the point. We're getting there. It's there's a lot still in there. But what we're trying to do is so we, we can make those decisions. We talk a lot about people saying, "Oh, we want need to do this and we need to do that," and oh, we're not. And then things don't get. That's exactly where the problems start. Say, "Well, this is a priority. That's a priority." Some you know a, folk, a group somewhere wants this done, and we'll say we'll do that. Uh, and and but you you can't do it. This gives the the committees the breathing space to actually do do stuff. Where they're often pulled from pillar to post and being asked to do lots of different things. This is more likely to result in action than just saying you want action. Right. Okay. And um, so, uh, obviously, a couple of issues dominated. Um, although, obviously, it was open for members to discuss anything that was in any of these um, the priority lists. Um, but uh, housing and cannabis were the two things that, uh, that that came out of it as the the main talking points. Um, housing we've discussed to some degree. Let's cover that off though, um, because there was one thing that um, I was a little confused about. I'm sure you can clear it up for us. There was uh, an amendment uh, laid by the president and vice president of environment um, employment and social security um to uh, and it seemed to be this kind of um approach that is invited by this process saying let's task these bodies with going away and committing staff resources to investigating this to bring a policy letter back and that was with the idea of uh, allowing certain uh, amounts of future guernsey housing association um, built properties to be sold at 75% of their value with a covenant that they'll only ever be allowed to be sold for that value. So, okay, that seemed to get approval and indeed was passed. Then we had another um, proposal, which I, I thought was initially laid by you, but then you That was for the... technical reasons, because I was around at the time when we were trying to help the people that were involved in the, the, the amendment. But so it wasn't uh, laid by you then? It wasn't laid by me, it was official. laid by Deputy Fairbrusher. Right, OK. Um, and this was to open this out to all GHA stock um, and social housing. So potentially, well, I, I'm, I'm aware nobody's suggesting selling all of social housing, but nevertheless old and new social housing should be considered for this um, uh, process. You were not in favour of that as far as I was aware. Or did I, no, did I misunderstand? No, you're absolutely right. I, I was happy with the First Amendment that you referenced because it was about future housing stock. We haven't got a surfeit of social housing on the island and that that it is an issue for us and the, and the, the necessary affordable housing for people either. Um, and... It, it was fine, and I had no problem that with, from the First Amendment because it was saying, let's look at the future ha- housing stock because we can plan it in. And I, so I, I do absolutely support um, home, home ownership. Throughout the whole of my political career, I've been trying to enable people to get on the housing ladder. I've done a lot, to, certainly in the first time, really trying to get some schemes in to support first-time buyers. So I absolutely want that. The concern with what happened with the Second Amendment, it was saying, oh, and we'll sell off some of the existing housing stock. When we haven't got, we're not overrun with housing with social housing at the moment. 
And I know from all that happened in the, back in the late 70s, 80s um, with the right to buy scheme, uh, that they, I think millions, there's six and a half million homes, um, council homes in the UK back in 1977. I think by 2017, there were two million. And that has led to homelessness in the UK and other, other issues. And very, some land, um, landlords have done very well in, in, in that market. That's a real concern for me. We haven't, although we've got in the pipeline now housing, affordable housing, and a lot uh, with, with buying the Kenilworth Finery site and other places, we, we're getting on track to build those, um, more social housing. We have not got a huge amount of social housing now. And I, I think it's wrong. I think we've got to be very careful what we do there. And I thought I was really concerned with some of the comments that it meant that uh, people had a right, they'd be able to write to buy their own home. But really, because we haven't got a, a surfeit of, of social housing, those people are in social housing, they absolutely need to be there. Very, very unlikely that any of them will have the money to be able to buy even 75% of their homes. And I think we, we owe it to make sure that we can protect those people, the poorest in our society, to have a roof over their head. Then that's why I was very concerned about that amendment. Okay, yeah, despite your concerns, you were in a minority in objecting to it because it was carried. Uh, and but we should point out that this a decision has not been made on that, is it? They, they, they were simply asking for the relevant committees to go away and investigate whether how this can be done and come back with a policy letter with proposals. So it's not a done deal by any it's means. It's not. And I'm, I'm really I, anybody listening who is in in um, state dates housing, please don't don't worry about it. I do know that Deputy Roffey has had concerned um, calls from from um, the, the people living in, in in social housing. Please. Please don't worry now, that, that is not something that has been decided. My concern with actually supporting that amendment, though, is that it will delay the other aspect of it uh, that was put forward in the other amendment. So, but, but, but we'll see. It's been agreed by the states. And that, again, it is the Assembly's plan. And that's, they, we, we all, we'll see and we'll see what comes out of it. OK, well, thanks for clarifying that, because I was, I was slightly confused by your name being on it and then hearing you speak out uh, against it. Um, can we get on to um, the other big topic that um, dominated uh, debate over those four days last week, which was that of cannabis? Um, so uh, just to set the scene, um, as, as I understand it, and I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Home Affairs have in the past been tasked with uh, delivering, uh, sorry, Health and Social Services, I beg your pardon. Health and uh, Social uh, Care, uh, even. Care, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's going back a few years. So I'll get it right in a minute. Uh, so HSC have been tasked with um, seeing through the um, recommendations of the Living Responsibly with COVID um, uh, work. Yeah. And, and uh, also uh, looking at the role of Medical Officer of Health. And um, also there's uh, a, a resolution in place that has been made in the past for uh, work to be done to look into the uh, legal status of Canada. Um, and so quite reasonably um, a, a proposition was laid to say well what do you want us to prioritise first I mean how, first of all how did you see that amendment and how, how uh, does that fit in with the GWP that request to ask states members to put their cards on the table and say okay which do you want done first because presumably the implication being we can't do both and, and that was on the basis that we had two areas, and I know some members said, oh, they're nothing, they weren't connected at all, but they were. They were connected by resources. And this is the thing we try to get um, members to, to understand. You might want to do this, that, and the other, 
but we have a limited number of people. It's not necessarily the money, it's the people. And within, it, within this area, it is mostly public health staff who will be heavily involved in both. And I know they've been heavily involved in various aspects of this in the past. So they can't do two things at once. There is capacity to one or the other. And it, we, from a policy and resources point of view, it's something that we thought that it should be the states that decide, not policy and resources. And that's what happened. And then we had this uh, amendment that was placed um, to uh, suggest getting rid of one of those options. and, and It made removing. no sense, and it, was, it wasn't actually laid in the end, um, the t- Taylor Amendment. Yeah, but wouldn't it have been better in a way had it been? Because, I mean, I can understand why it was withdrawn, because um, there was clearly a lot of objection, not least from yourself. But um, if, if members had been encouraged to have a specific cannabis debate at the beginning of that or near, near the beginning of that meeting um, then when you got onto general debate it, you could have got onto other things whereas in fact because it sort of disappeared you, you cannabis just kept coming up and up and up in the in the general debate and there wasn't an awful lot of room for anything else well i think people got a bit excited about it unnecessarily um, and perhaps it's this is about the government work plan and about our priorities in particular when this is not that wasn't a priority category one action anyway. So whatever is decided, whatever would have been decided, and it is to look at the cannabis, will be done when the resources are free to do it. It's not category one action. We're going to throw resources at that. And I think we need to remember it's about uh, number one is is making sure that we are focused on what is key for this government by making it. Um, a separate well it is a proposition in the states the, the amendment would have would have done exactly as you say which was counter to what which was strange because it was done by members of uh, a member of home affairs which didn't want to have that focus on that debate but i don't think it needed to be it, it was saying it was just asking members to make um, a logical choice at this stage it wasn't a debate about should we legalize cannabis or not it was about prioritization of resources but, but it became that didn't it and, and that's one of the inevitable flaws of this process you, it's d- difficult to get members to discuss it's a topic fr- without I, them launching I, I, into the full i will remit. i will question i challenge you on that because you said all oh, about flaws of this process it's not the flaw of the pro- flaw in the process it is about how individual members have taken the process uh, and how, how how they've reacted to it so it's not it's not what we've done it's how it's been approached in by by various members and what they want to say really it never needed to be that debate at this stage but then people see well it's cannabis so it's going to create um, excitement and that's that's what happened but it raises raises the question of you know how do you get 40 members of the states to um, firstly understand how this process is supposed to work and then buy into uh, how um, the, the leaders of this process, yourself uh, in particular, uh, want it to work. Uh, and without effectively shackling them by saying, well, no, you can't have this debate or that debate or go into this much detail, you know, and just, just keep th- to keep that narrow focus on resourcing. It's very difficult. We comprise a, um, a parliament of 40 different people from all manner of uh, backgrounds and, and experiences, and we sit them all in one room and, and, and expect everybody to behave in the same way. Well, that's, that's not possible. That, that is how our system is. We don't, as I say, have that any um, 
but whip that I'm aware of is I think even the parties have whips to, to say how people are going to vote, sometimes, I think. But we, we have, everybody can make their own choice about how they want to approach it, and that's how our government works. Many, I mean, I, I like that consensus system of government where we are, we have freedom to have our choices. It is irritating, I can say it and hope that people listen, but they are free to do that, but... That's that's what we've got at the moment. On that uh, amendment that was never laid in the end by uh, Deputy Taylor, one thing that caught my attention, given that this is all about our very, very limited resource time, and as you said, it's not the money, it's the people, um, that amendment that was never laid, never laid was accompanied by a dossier of evidence and information that had been brought together. It said, on behalf of the Home Affairs Committee. Mm. Um, presumably, therefore, I, I would read that as being by officers at Home Affairs, by staff, um, which would appear to have been a complete waste of time if it was never laid. So uh, how is that how you read it? And are you concerned about you know time being spent on uh, something that was utterly futile in the end? I mean, I'm sure it will be useful. And to be honest, I thought it was a useful report. I mean, it gave a... A view, and I think you could the, the evidence there, but we, have, we need to see it all in the round. It's, it's fine. Um, I think I, I I think the problem was probably not understanding what was being asked within the government work plan, what we were asking members to decide, and it seemed to go down the track of we well this these are the problems with cannabis, and that's why you shouldn't even look at it. But this is just. We're at a very early stage at this moment, and I think that w will be useful if at some point we get on and do a review, but we're not even there yet. As well as uh, those two issues that dominated one of the other amendments that I do want to uh, specifically refer to uh, is one that will change the nature of the process going forward, because uh, Deputy Hellier laid this amendment that says that, uh, first of all, there's going to be a scoring system for uh, states members to follow this was all approved so this is how yeah. and they don't need to come back with a policy letter for this one this is now you know uh, decided uh, next time round you're all going to be asked yourself included to give a score uh, for all the different topics that are, that are on the GWP and, and um, all these scores are going to be collated in an arithmetical hierarchical scoring system and come back um, what do you make of that process? Uh, and are you happy that you're going to be able to steer the GWP through that new uh, mechanism? And also, could you comment on the fact that um, we're not now going to have a 2024 uh, GWP debate as a result of that uh, amendment as well? On the latter point, we, it was something that all um, policy resources had already agreed anyway. So we were quite happy. In fact, I think it was through working with officers that bit put, got eventually put into to that amendment. So I, I was happy happy with that element of okay, it. And what was the thinking behind that then? Very, it, we needed to then be able to concentrate on what we, we'd done from next year. I think having something for the last, that last point of term, it was distracting and it'd also take up officer time to create another work plan just for that that time between uh, then and up to the next election. So we, next year's uh, will debate the will set out one. the priorities that will be yep. carried through to the next but election. But there will be reports and other things coming out of that anyway, so it won't be like a vacuum of information. It, there will be reporting that, that, that accompanies it. That made sense. Um, 
I, I just really struggle with uh, having a so-called arithmetical hierarchy, whatever we do, how how and how we do it. Well, we've got to do it. I mean, it's the states have agreed it, and we will try our best. I think, as I said in, in the debate, I think it causes tensions and issues amongst um, individual members and what what they do compared to being in the committee and what decisions they make in terms of listing things. Um, and I think uh, the procurer herself actually uh, raised the co- issues around that. So, but we'll make it work. I mean, I, I, it, it kind of goes against the committee system we've got, and I don't like that that, that aspect of it. And I, and as I said, I, what one of the comments I made in the states. Um, you have a list of uh, priorities and asking members to approve them, but some there are interdependencies between one action and another. You might have one action that requires something that sounds really boring, like creating a spatial plan or something, but you need that to be able to decide what you're going to do with in terms of renewable energy, say. But people might want the renewable energy, but they don't want to do all the boring stuff, you know. It's not this one action, as you're saying. You no, know, it's action's important, not, not at least going away and reviewing things. But if you don't do one, you can't do the other. And so what I said is people want the baby, but they don't want the labour pains. And we've seen that in the first, when we did it. We did something very like this at the beginning of term. It was inconclusive. And we had people doing just that. And so how do we know, um, you know, how do we work with that? So we've got, we will, we'll make it work. Um, I just don't know what it'll really add to the process so when you say we'll make it work that's that's going to be your responsibility now to to implement that this is the assembly's plan the assembly have decided they want to do it this way i will do i will do it if i can't and i just say look this is difficult i'll come back to the assembly and say look for these reasons we can't but we'll make it work somehow we will make it work whether i like it and whether i think it will produce a better result I i i think not i think it's wrong to believe that um it's the best thing is the in open for openness and transparency is that members have to declare what they think is a priority before we go in debate because debate is where people what the openness and transparency is people see how people vote they hear what their opinion is i have a concern where decisions can be made here behind closed doors which is very good for any parties because parties can put their views in together in one one fell swoop and you know that i i think and I, I, do, I think it will lead to less openness and transparency uh, because I think it goes away from our system of government where it is about say, saying what your views are, having your vote recorded in the state. I, I'm sure everyone understand that, um, you know, openness and transparency of everything that goes on in, in the chamber. It's all reported. We, we report on it. It's broadcast live. It ends up in Hansard. Um, but in terms of people making decisions in, in behind closed doors, um, even if you have a party who hides away and they all nut it out and decide what their priorities are, they're still then going to have to publicly declare what their priorities are. And you're allowed to buy into a party um, uh, uh, consensus on yes, you. But it there's goes nothing undemocratic undeg- about that. I mean, how we can provide all members with all the information they need to be able to make that 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 hierarchy in a, in a, an evidence-based way is what I would question. I don't think it will be um, in a way that debate is about. You might have a view. You go into the chamber in the morning. You think, for one, no, this is how I'm going to vote. You have the debate. You listen, which is what. Is we're there for, and by the power of debate and the power of 
what is provided in the state. You should be listening to That's why we have that chamber. And if we don't, if we think that's not important, that really bothers me, because that, Parliament is sovereign, Parliament is where we make our decisions, it's where we're open to the public and accountable for what we do there. And for me, I, I, I want that to continue. So that is my concern. We, we, we can see what we can do around it. But I'd hate to think a member who did something in a priority then feels, because of that it's now published, they're beholden to, to have to support that when they go into the chamber. Deputy Carl Mirveld, who's a State Assembly and Constitution Committee, made the same point in debate on this. He was saying that, you know, he'd changed his mind on a couple of issues already during the debate when hearing other people express their views. And that, as you say, that's where, that's how Parliament's supposed to work, isn't it? That yeah. you, you, you can change each other's minds on things. But... Um, it, I've noticed from very many years, the more contentious the issue, the more um, evident it is that deputies have turned up to the debate with a written speech. They've already made up their minds. They know exactly what they're going to say. And they're not going to speak against or for something and then change their minds at the end. So in practice, it, it doesn't appear to operate There will always be people manner. who go in and they might have very strong views on certain things. That's, that's the nature of, I say, we've got very diverse in terms of views. <laughs> might not be in terms of make up the population but a diverse group of people who will um who will have their opinions in different places but there are some people who generally go in i've been in debates and i thought i have not known where to vote and you can really it's it's very difficult these are really difficult decisions you're making about what is the right thing to do so i mean i i and i we should be that's what we're there for is to make sure that we've thought about it is this in the best interests of our community not this is my view, and that's why I'm going to, it should be what, what is in the best interests of the community, and that's what we should be hearing within a debate. Um, finally, on that part of it, uh, Deputy Mark Hellio, who placed that amendment um, and about the hierarchical uh, arithmetical scoring system, um, are you now going to be wanting him to suggest to you how that's going to work? Has he already told you how he envisages that uh, operating? No, but um, given he's a fellow member of PNR, we'll we'll be having those conversations because it's PNR that coordinates a plan and we'll work it out. So sure. yes, I'm sure yeah, he'll it's have not it. going to be left to you and your own devices then to figure no, out. No, I'm, I'm going to be speaking to officers now about how we can best best approach it. I'm sure we'll find a way and make it as streamlined as as wonderful as possible. Right. And, and and because the results are going to be published, you can guarantee that we're going to be all over it. It's going to be certainly something that's going to be interesting for us to follow in terms of how those priorities are stated, um, in the same way that we follow what promises are made in manifestos and then compare them to what's been said by members later on in yeah, debates. Yeah, I, I suspect you'll be asking us lots of questions about, well, is this line and members voted that way? What does it actually mean? Well, uh, it'll be an interesting process. Now, looking ahead then to uh, that uh, uh, 2023 uh, final iteration of the government work plan process, um, how is it, uh, apart from those changes that you've been uh, pushed into making, um, forced into it indeed, um, how will you approach it differently this time uh, according to the lessons that you've learned from how it went? Well, I think very little. I think that bit will will change. We, We can... We haven't got loads of people to be able to run these magnificent programmes to determine what we do, but hopefully what we, where we are now is in much more uh, streamlined and honed 
plan that makes life easier. So we, we know what our priorities are. We, we've cut down all the, a lot of other actions. So what we'll be looking at is trying to see how we can hone it down even further and say, look, we're 20, for 2023, this will be the last one. We've only got how many two years left to, for, for government. What are you going to focus on? Forget about all the other stuff. Well, you might like to, and you still want to have it on the books. Let's say this is what we're going to deliver. And I would hope that by this time, members' minds will be more focused, given it will be just two years to the next election, and thinking, right, this is what we've got to do now. I think people come into government and into the states, and think, right, we'll do this, we'll get this done now, and don't realise that it is not simple. Things, it's, it looks, might seem simple to make a change here and there, but is it's much more involved. That's why we have the plan. As I say, Simon, why don't we just turn up to states and say, right, today we're going to change the um, road layout out the front there. We'll all go round and then we're going we're gonna to build this school tomorrow. We're going to um, have another theatre in, in the hospital and that's all going to be done now. It doesn't happen. Like, it, it, things can't happen like that. You've got to find them. You've got people to do it. Where are you going to do it? Um, what... what, what um, uh, what resources do you need to, to do it? Um, what, what's, a, what's the issue it's going to solve or is it going to impact something else? So that's why you don't have a whole a work plan. It's not all about what, what the actions will be. It's about how do we progress them? How do we progress and make things happen in the most effective way? How do we approach things in the most effective way? There is still a mechanism for bringing things out of the Absolutely. blue. And that's the riquettes, and you're yeah. the signatory to one coming up. So I am, does that not run contrary to that? It doesn't run contrary to the government work plan because it's not about um, action required. It's doing exactly what they could have done um, in the Delisle and Gollop Amendment in terms of the Greenfield. They could have laid an amendment and done it that way and got the evidence and show why it needs to be done. This was completely different. It wasn't saying go away and do this, that and the other. It was a purely, um, absolutely focused in one area. It was a way to do it. That was a t- place to do it when you don't think anything else is going to happen and you're concerned about what's happening, not within the government work plan. And against that, with, with the, with the Riquette, you'll see there's been lots of letters of comment. We've had lots of information from committees to, to determine, to help members think about how they want to vote. So absolutely not. What it should stop is Riquette saying... This we believe that government should go off there as a priority because we've had that prioritisation here. So, I mean, well, we kind of had that last last term. We had the PNR plan, but then we had, um, what's the chief minister at the time, bringing in a roquette saying we ought to look at assisted dying after we just debated a PNR plan. So that was going contrary to what was should have been the process. But we've honed it down even more now, that's, we're, and we're actually saying this is the Assembly's plan, these are your priorities. So if you come up with a request that says, oh, now we think something else is a priority, well, where were you when we were debating the government work plan? And, and just for context for those who haven't followed this, the requet we're talking about is the requet not to build... Um, Don't build on, on, on green... The, on, yes, it's not greenfield. Specific greenfield. Specific greenfields around certain areas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and can I just ask... Also, this final thing really about the government work plan, how much staff time is sucked into actually producing this process in the first time? I know you personally work hard on it, but, um, you know, is it a a behemoth in terms of the staff you're having to work on it? I mean, because if if what you're trying to achieve ultimately is the best use of resources and and, and staff time, uh, but the process that helps you get there uses up a lot itself, then it's a bit like... 
It's, well, it's a bit like when uh, people argue against the setting up of a, of a uh, GST. If if the cost of actually making it happen is so much that it, half of that sucked up into that, then it's not worth it in the totally, end. Totally, so. absolutely agree with you, Simon, which is why we've got it the way we've got it now. When we had the policy and resource plan last term, we had staff in every committee spending months producing reports to go into this 400-page whatever plan that we had then, which nobody then read and nobody was held accountable to it because it didn't link to resources. So it, you could always do anything you wanted out of that plan because everything was there. But people were spending hours and hours, officer time, putting this plan together and not actually doing the actions we wanted. This is very different. Last year when we were first doing it, there was we did a lot, lot of work working with officers. But then we haven't got a lot of people to do this. I've got one one lead that, that has been responsible for putting all this together, but working with committee secretaries and officers around the states but and also committees. But it's not been heavy, heavy work in terms of um, putting together lots and lots and lots and lots of information. It's been working closely with the committees and their officers, then working cl closely with the officers put, put, putting this together. Absolutely, I know this is what I was try I wanted to avoid, and we, we we are avoiding. And next year it should be better. Saying that, working a hierarchical scoring system might cause a bit of added time, but it's honed down in a way that is is slick and should mean that for anybody doing this in future states, they've got a system to work with. It's not starting from scratch. It's working with what we've got in a, in a logical fashion. So if you look at this actual policy letter, it is only 20 pages. The bits that are added on the back are the plan in itself, just saying in a in a diagrammatic format, so quite straightforward where, where things are, and a background to what, what committees, how committees got to where they were. And then the funding and investment plan, which is the finances behind it, which in its what it does is actually reduce a lot of the work that's required for the budgeting process because we bring it together. We're, we're linking the policy work with the resources work. So it helps another aspect of what government does. So very much this is about reducing um, wasted officer effort and not only that it's stopping officers going off doing things where the assembly in the end doesn't want them to do it anyway so it's absolutely trying to focus resources i mean this is the sort of thing i used to do you know my past life it's trying to make organizations work, work run more effectively make them focused on what they're there for make sure what they're doing is what needs to be done and not what they might want to be done and just trying to bring that into um, a public sector environment it's not about being a business it's about having that understanding what you're there for and making sure you're focused on it so do you expect to be able to uh, reach the end of this political term and turn around and look back on this, that and the other that all got achieved through the government work plan? Are, are we anticipating uh, a lot of this work being finalised and reaching a, a conclusion before the next election? Because as we know, and, and education is just one example, you can reach a conclusion on something and make a commitment and then you know another, another lot come in and it all changes. That's it. I'm not in, it's not for me to be in control. I can't be in control of that. It's purely, it's down to states' members and what they decide. I mean, we had the secondary pensions thing. That's through the government work plan and then members decided they, want, they wanted to delay it. I can't have any control over that. All I can do is do my best to try and bring that focus and discipline as much as I can in the position that I'm in. 
OK, well, thank you for uh, your, your round-up, your wash-up, if you like, of that government work plan uh, process. I, I fully realise that it's uh, uh, um, something that uh, must occupy your thoughts pretty much night and day. Um, there are other issues as well uh, on, on our horizon at the moment, uh, not least if we look over the water toward uh, the United Kingdom, we see uh, the government over there in something of disarray. Uh, and looking in another direction over the water, uh, another um, seismic change has taken place in the more traditional manner of the ballot box over in Jersey, uh, where they now have a new uh, chief minister over there, their first uh, female chief minister. Um, do you think that's a significant moment in terms of women in politics? I think it's great. I'm, I'm really pleased to see it. I, I think it's very sad that, you know, with that they... We're into our third decade of the, uh, the this century, and we're still thinking, you know, talking about that as if that should be a big thing. And if you look in the UK now, and they're saying, well, but people are, are vying for position to be the next prime minister, and it's such a diverse group of people, and you know, it's, and I just think that's quite whatever we think about the individuals involved. It's really great to see that, and. I, and I, th I really, I think it's great for what the, what Jer the Jersey electorate have done there. And uh, for me, having that um, increased number of women is important. We are like half the population. That representation is, is, is should be there. And I just hope that we can do the same in Guernsey at the next election. There's quite a contrast, isn't there, really, now, if you look at the makeup of the uh, the Parliament over in Jersey and, and what we have over here. Our numbers are... Well, we have a, a less representative Parliament in terms of gender. In gender and di diversity, full stop, I think, we, we, uh, you, you could say. Um, and I, I, I hope that changes. I know after the first term, term there was only about five of us, I think, in, uh, women in the, in, when I was first elected, and we did a lot to try and uh, get more women elected. We got a lot of kickback for that from certain individuals, which was quite, very, which was quite depressing at the time, to be honest with you. But we did end up getting... 11, I think it was, through, and, and that, that was after we'd already reduced the number of deputies, so that was, that was really good. But I, I was disappointed to see that go right down um, for the right eight now, and that's just 20% of the, of the states, and that's, we've got to do better than that. So I want that. I want to see more uh, a diverse representation in our government. It's so important to give that balanced perspective, different approaches... We've seen that when we do have more women in the States, women do work really, really hard, in my experience. And there are, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of men who work hard, but I do know, I mean, we have a lot of the women, that, that, that their focus. But also the policies, the approach can, can be different, not with all, but certainly my experience last term, we got a lot of social policy work and stuff done uh, that really helped women in the last term. And I... I and I think that was helped by the makeup of the pop of the um, the assembly last term. Uh, for the record, I'm also looking forward to the day I don't feel the need to ask that question at all. In, uh, yeah, it is. In I do interview. think it is really sad that we're still asking that question. And it, I, I look forward to the time when it's not even thought about. Okay, well, uh, Deputy Heidi Salisbury, Vice President and Policy and Resources, thanks very much for joining us on the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you.